when I joined the gang, I was 14 years old. Our goal is literally to go to prison, and we think that's like we went to Harvard. How did you break out of this yourself? My family, which it's my wife's side, my brother-in-law's were all gang members, every single one of them. Now they all have kids, now one are gang members. I changed for my daughter, I changed for my son, and that's what we have to do. We have to step up and be accountable for what we do. And the thing with California is they lost all accountability. Some people do need to be locked up. It costs a lot to put people in prison, over $100,000 a year. The idea was to invest this into these communities so that we can stop this path straight from school to prison. I live in the hood. I haven't seen one penny come out of it. The criminal sees his friend, his homie, go to jail, get caught with the gun, gets released within a few days. All right, more of a loophole to get out of doing the crime. As you can see, crime in L.A. is going through the roof. My guest today is Gil Tejada, founder and host of American Cholo, a YouTube channel that focuses on helping gang members get back to normal life. Today, Gil will talk about his personal story and how the current policies on crime and homelessness are affecting his community. The norm is you're on dope, you get a tent, you post up, and nobody says anything. When I was young, we were looking at the gang members and saying, oh, that's what I want to be. Well, now you can have these kids out there saying, oh, look, my uncle's out there. He's 20-some years old. That's what I want to be. And that's what's going on in California. That's what's going on in North Hollywood. I'm CMI Koremi. Welcome to California Insider. Gil, it's great to have you on. Welcome. It's my pleasure. I'm a longtime fan, and I'm just um, I'm happy to be here. Excellent. We love to talk to you about what's going on with California on crime. You know, there's this philosophy that we have taken a softer approach on crime. And in your city, in L.A., your district attorney, Gascon, has been taking action on not prosecuting, uh, adding enhancements to gun violence or taking it easier on minors right. because they want to approach, they want to go after the root cause of the crime. You have been in the gangs, you've kind of grown up in this yes. environment. Can you tell us what you see in your community and what's the impact? Yeah, to give you a little uh, you know, background, I'm a former gang member. I also did uh, about six years in the California Youth Authority, so I was that guy out there carrying the guns in the neighborhood, right? And before Gascon came in, uh, I automatically said, this guy gets selected, crime's gonna go through the roof. Because y is it uh, the approach like kind-hearted and, and wanting better? Yes, do I think Gascon's like an evil person? Absolutely not. But you can't sit here and, and put those rules to the streets and believe the streets are gonna follow those rules that, hey man, we're gonna start taking care of you guys, we're gonna do this. Because what a criminal does is a criminal sees his friend, his homie, go to jail, get caught with the gun, gets released within a few days. So what does that tell all the other young guys? There is no punishment for this. You can come in and out of jail for the guns. They're not giving you the enhancement times. What the criminals see is they see, all right, more of a loophole to get out of doing the crime. So uh, when he started doing all those policies, yeah, crime is, is going to get higher. And as you can see, crime in L.A. is going through the roof. Now, can you tell us, you have your experience. Can you tell us how does it work? Because most of our audience, most people don't know what's going on in these gangs and how they work. Well, uh, the gangs, it's almost like a sorority, let's say, in college. But the difference is that these guys are out there doing criminal activity. Not all of them, but, you know, uh, a lot of them. Uh, some are, you know, robbing. Some are selling drugs. Some are just guys who got in and don't really know what it, what's the, you know, they really don't know what they're signing up for. And, like, your audience, a lot of your audience may not really get the whole term of gangs, but a lot of this gang stuff, it's, it's um, generational. 
It's a, you've grown up here, you've grown up to worship this street, you've grown up to worship this block, you've grown up to worship this city. This is what you're gonna do for your entire life. It's like grooming a kid, but you're grooming them into gangs. It's the same way somebody who's, uh, you know, more higher middle class or educated, you get your child, you start grooming them for college, you start grooming them for education. What do you see that, you're saying crime is over the roof, what do you see in your community that you're saying that? Well, you're seeing robberies, smashing grabs, you're seeing, uh, Criminals just, you know, not caring, going in there because they know or they feel they're going to get a slap in the hand. You you can just put on the local news, you see how many high-speed chase you're getting, you're getting people killed. These are crimes that are definitely impacting our neighborhood. People are dying and losing their lives, and people are also coming out of jail so quick, like I said. When you've got people that are getting arrested with guns and getting released in a few days, that sends a message across the board to gang members who are carrying guns that, hey, they're not prosecuting you the way they are, whereas now they're carrying the guns more freely. The writing's on the wall. You can, if you live in any area and you see more graffiti going up, that means there's more gang members out there. The graffiti is almost like a wolf, you know, urinating to let them know, this is my turf. So the more you see that graffiti in a certain area, that is that wolf. Oh, that's very interesting. Okay. That, that gang's, that gang's territory. That's how it works. And is there marks like when they're- Oh, absolutely. I, I drive by my block all the time. And I see different marks. I see different crossouts. Uh, maybe like around eight, 10 years ago, it was definitely going down. And that's everywhere in LA. Now, eight I, to ten years ago, about eight to ten years ago, the gang population was going down because I saw it in my own neighborhood. It was, it, and it's bittersweet to me. It was like, all right, the hood's dying out, but they, at the same time, it was like, oh, that's good because it's better for the future kids coming up. But now it's no, you go back to my neighborhood, it's you got gang graffiti everywhere, different neighborhoods coming and crossing them out. You got in the last um, maybe year, year and a half, probably been five murders over there, a few attempted murders. I mean, it's just crime is going through the roof right now. Now, did you hear from these gang members? Have you had any talks with them? Do they talk to you about, or have you have you been in touch with somebody that tells you that it's easy, they get out? Well, it's not so much that it, they just say it's easy. I just hear, you know, hey, uh, where's the homie? Oh, he got busted. What do you get busted for a strap? Oh, he's, he's, he's gonna go some time? No, they, they let him moderate. So I hear the stories of the guys getting out. They're from my neighborhood. I'll go by there. I, I live four blocks from there. So I go by there all the time. So I hear the stories all the time and just watch the news. I mean, you've got so many uh, stories of, of people who are like repeat offenders coming in and out. Uh, my sister-in-law was murdered by a guy who ex-con, came out of jail, was with her for about 30 days, stabbed her to death. Wow. So this is the stuff that I say, I see it firsthand. Why do you think that's happening? Well, it's a combination of many things. I think the reason that it's that it's gone up so much is because of the policies that California has happened. I believe that the BLM movement had a huge impact on law enforcement, where law enforcement was villainized. It was made to be that every single cop is out there to kill a black man, every single cop is out there to kill a brown man. And the reality is that, no, is there bad cops? Absolutely there's bad cops. But what happened now is that they've made us hate the police more, not want to interact with the police and sit there and believe that we can uh, just do whatever we want. So the cops started getting charged for a lot of stuff. So the cops, in my, in my opinion, they stood down. It was like they stood down and said, let them do what they want uh, because if not, you're going to be called a racist. And if the cops aren't controlling the wild, wild west, the wild, wild west is going to control itself and that's what's going on out there right now. What about the whole philosophy in California that we have where one of the ideas was that let's it costs a lot to put people in prison. Yes. You know, like it's, it's over $100,000 a year. And there's some special interests that are making money off prisons. Absolutely. The idea was to invest this into these communities so that 
we can stop this path straight from school to prison, you know. The reality is, though, that most of that money is going to, like, nonprofit organizations. People are, are getting rich off this stuff. The money is not going into the community. I live in the hood. I haven't seen one penny come out of it, really. Like, I, I haven't seen no after-school programs. I haven't seen any sports programs. I haven't seen anything like that. There's, there's programs that are helping educate people, which is great. But the reality is that some people do need to be locked up. I'm not saying everybody needs to be locked up. But if you're out there on parole, you got a gun... You don't need to be on the streets. You need to go do a year or two years in jail, come back out, think about it, and see what happens. But uh, the reality is that California has just gone way too soft. Should there be programs? Yes, absolutely. But it's an overcorrection of the system. The system thinks they're going to hug their way out of this. And you, when you got a guy whose mentality is, I'm going to kill you just because you're from that block, you're not going to sit there and tell me, hey, dude, no, we love you. We th- we. As a gang member, I can tell you that I hated myself, that I had that that I really... I had anger in my own self. That's why, to me, it was so easy to be able to try to hurt somebody that looks just like me because I hated myself. And that's what a lot of people in the community are when they're into gangs. They really don't like themselves, so they have a, a very low self-standard of who they are, so they don't care about anybody else. And that's something we got to change. We have to change the, the family unit. That's, what, that's what's going on because your kids are just a reflection of you. So if you've got 13-, 14-year-old kids out there acting a fool, disrespecting people, that's a reflection of the parents, you know? I can honestly say that my family, which it's uh, my wife's side, my brother-in-laws were all gang members, every single one of them. Now they all have kids, now one are gang members. We've broken that cycle. We've broken that cycle by saying, hey, bud, if we had to change as men, and as men, I changed for my daughter, I changed for my son, and that's what we have to do. We have to step up and be accountable for what we do. And the thing with California is they lost all accountability. They don't want anyone to be accountable. And I just, it doesn't make any sense to me. Now, you tell me that as a gang member, what were you thinking? Were, they, were, oh, were you thinking you're doing the right thing? Oh, yeah, absolutely. absolutely. What, what's the mindset? If somebody tells you, and you grew up as a kid, and they tell you this cup, that is God from a child. That is God. You're going to worship that cup. You're going to take care of that cup. You're going to praise that cup every day. Guess what? By the time you're 14, 15 years old, you're going to think that cup is God. The same thing was in the streets. This block, this belongs to us. This means something to us. If you got children who... Don't have anything. Don't. Their parents are going out. My mom was slanging dope. She was doing her thing, but she was providing for us. I don't. I don't hold her. I, I don't feel bad towards her for that, or I don't hold her to any accountable for that. But as far as when you're a child, that is everything. Is the hood. It's the block, and you think you're doing it for a right reason because you're young. You're foolish. You don't know. You think that you're gonna live forever, or you think you're gonna die at 25. So you really don't care. But then what happens is eventually you get older and hopefully you start wising up. You start having children. And you say, wait a minute, I don't want this for my kids. It's because I still have these conversations with guys who are my age and they still live in that mentality. They still live in that mentality that, that this is all I got because it's such a hard pill to swallow. Imagine you going, you're a Marine or something. You go to war and you lose friends and you come back with all kind of PTSD and then the government tells you, Hey, we're sorry. This war was for nothing. We were wrong. It's a hard pill to swallow. And that's what the, the gang life is. We are doing it for nothing. We are killing each other for absolutely nothing. But when guys hear that, it's, it's blasphemy. But it's the truth. Now, how did you get into all that? Into the... Well, yeah. Well, I came, I came to the United States in 1981 from uh, Honduras. I was originally born, right? My mom came here illegally. Uh, uh, by 1989... That's all there was. I mean, it wasn't, I, I, I 
I moved to North Hollywood in a rough, top, uh, rough part of North Hollywood. That's all I saw. When I go to school, that's who I'm looking up to. That's who. How old were you at that time? At, at that time, I was, uh, when I joined the gang, I was 14 years old. But when I'm going out in the streets and playing, back there, there wasn't really no Nintendo. There wasn't any, You go out in the streets, you ride your bike, and who do you see on the block? It was almost like the movies from Training Day. You see the Cholo guys out there with the nice low riders, with the girls. You know, they're the popular guys in school. They're the guys that you're admiring to be. I'm a little kid, and I'm looking, I want to be these guys. Whereas maybe some other children in, in a good area are looking at some sports guys playing football, or, you know, maybe their uncles and aunts are doctors and lawyers. They want to be that. Our uncles and aunts, they're coming out of prison, and we're thinking it's the greatest thing in the world. When you're a child in a gang environment like that, and you get into a gang, you're aspiring to become somebody in prison. You want to, that's our goal. Our, wow. goal, our goal is literally to go to prison, and we think that's like, a, that's like we went to Harvard. That's the, wow. the mindset, but it just, it's, first it was generational, and it wasn't so much brainwashing as we were very uneducated. We didn't know any better. We were still kind of in the tribal sense and thinking this is the right thing to do. Now, fast forward these many years, there's a lot of people that I know personally that got out of prison after doing like 20-something years, and they know it was for nothing. They finally figured out it took us this long to get where we're at, and it's going to take us this long to get us out of that. Now, you were, you were seeing all these kids are cool, and they have, they have cars and nice cars, and was... Did they approach you? Did they groom you into it, or did you just decide to just? Well, no. It's it's like uh, let's say you're you're friends with somebody. You're 11, 12 years old, and you're in a neighborhood. You're gonna know somebody's cousin who's a little bit older. You know somebody's brother who's a little bit older. So it they we're all related in some way or another. So you know the little brothers start doing what the big brothers do, or let's say one of the brothers gets shot. So what happens? One of the little brothers says, "Hey, dude, I'm gonna join a gang." In my situation, it was I was very attracted to it. I, I, like I said, I didn't, I wasn't into sports. My mom was doing her own thing. She's trying to figure out what's going on in, in America. She's new to this place. And I joined it at 14 with a couple other of my friends, childhood friends. And you go into it thinking it's almost fun and games. And then when, you know, when you get your teeth busted in the, for the first time, when you get shot for the first time, when you see somebody die for the first time, you start figuring out, wait a minute, this is, this is an all fun and games. And then you're gonna do one or the other. You're gonna either pump your brakes and slow it down, or you're gonna hit the gas. In my situation, I hit the gas. So then what happened? By 91, I was 16 years old. I caught a case. Uh, I had two assault with a firearm on police officers, discharging a, a gun at them. Uh, two assault with the firearms on some gang members. I did uh, two years in the California Youth Authority for that. Uh, I got out for six months or so, went back in for a Tech 9. Got out for a year or so, or six months or so, and went back in for a, a 38 and a 9mm. And that was because they raided my mom's house because she was selling drugs back then. So I was caught up in that whole L.A. scene of gangs, drugs, the whole, the whole nine yards. And how was it? How does these things work? Like, is it like, is there a government? Is it like, well, is it like a company? Uh, well, uh, it, it depends. Every neighborhood's different, just like every company's different. Uh, when I first started, I was a, you know, I was a peon. I was a little small guy. I was a runt. By 96, I had worked my way up in the gang. And by that, by 96, I was one of the main guys that would sit there and say, okay, every Sunday we're having a meeting. On this meeting, we're collecting five bucks from you, hundred bucks from the drug dealer. 20. We're buying guns. With, with these guns, now we're saying, okay, who has come to our neighborhood? Who has brought our neighborhood? Who's gang banged over here? And now we're going to go and go over there and it was it there is a structure to it. i think there's there's much more structure to a latino gang than any other gang especially in california 
did you guys control the money that comes through these activities? Or well, yeah, back then it was where, yeah, if somebody's selling drugs in your neighborhood, you're going to go up to them and you're going to say, hey, check this out, man. You're going to break us off some money. I mean, that's just the way of the world. It's, it's the underworld of, of uh, the gangs in California. Now, I don't, I don't get involved in that, but when I was younger, absolutely. If there's somebody in your neighborhood that's selling drugs that isn't part of your gang, they're definitely going to pay up some money to you. Before we continue, we would like to thank Shen Yun for sponsoring this channel. I lived in China for two years and experienced two different Chinas. One is the China we know now, unfortunately with communism. And the other is ancient Chinese culture with 5,000 years of history, strong values, ethics and morality that has been lost. Shenyun Performing Arts is reviving this 5,000 years of Chinese traditional culture. It takes you back in time to magical world of ancient China with a unique blend of brilliant dancing, beautiful costumes, and legends coming to life. Go to shenyun.com to find out the schedule and theater information. It's a lifetime experience you don't want to miss. Book your tickets today. Now let's go back to the interview. Now, how did you break out of this yourself? Um, the last time I got arrested was in 1997. That was the one time when they came right in my mom's house and I was sitting in the county jail, probably about a room about this big. There was an old veterano guy back there, and you could tell he was on heroin. He had the big roll shot. He's you know, doing that like a movie, you know. And something went off in my head. And I knew I was going to go do a couple years already. So I already knew I got uh, This is my and first day. How old day. were you? I was 21 years old, 21, oh, 22 okay. years old. And I'm looking at this guy, and I'm like, wait a minute. That's who I want to be? Because since I was a kid, yeah, that's who I wanted to be. I wanted to be that veterano guy coming out of prison, being all tattooed down, you know, the, the, the stereotypical troll that you see in the movies. That's who I wanted. That's who I thought I wanted to be. But that day, it's like a light bulb went off. I said, what in the hell am I doing? And a day before this, I'm ready to go to prison for the rest of my life because I thought that's where it was at. I thought going to prison was something that, that was like going and fighting for your country, you know. And that day I said, I'm never coming back to jail again. This is it. I went up for parole a year after that, and I'm sitting there with, I think it was like five board members, and they're like, the hell, you're back? You know, and they saw my charges, all guns, all, you know, assaults of firearms, and they're like, what are you going to tell us now? This is the third time you've been in here for guns. I said, uh, I'm not going to tell you anything. I said, I'm not going to stay here like the guys behind you and tell you that I'm going to go get a job, that I'm going to change, that I'm going to do this. This is what I'm going to tell you. The day you guys let me out of jail is the day I'm never coming back. I got no excuses. And they just looked at me, they're like, you do know you're up for parole right here. I said, yeah, I know, but I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. The day you let me out of jail, I'm never coming back. They gave me another year. They sent me, they sent me to a psychiatrist. The psychiatrist asked me the same question. I told him the same thing. I said, listen, if you want me to sit here and tell you that it's because I didn't have a father, because my mother was this, because this, I'm not giving you any excuses. I'm telling you, just like I told them, I'm never coming back over here. It's about choices. And I refuse to live like this anymore. So when you let me out, I'm done. I got out of jail after two years and change. Uh, two of my homies pulled up at my, at my girlfriend's house, which is now my wife that I've been married to, been together for 23 years. And they were like, what's up, foolish bro? And I said, uh, no. Nah. I gave him the finger lovingly and told him, I'm done, homie. And they're like, for real? I said, yeah, I'm done. Okay. And, and that was it. I started digging ditches for a living uh, because I had to make a decision. My daughter, I just had custody of her. Her mom was on her way to go to prison. 
So I'm fresh out of jail. I'm 24 years old. I'm on parole. I got no work experience. I got no money. But I got two kids and a girl that I need to make a choice whether I'm going back to the hood and leaving them high and dry or am I going to be a man? And I became a man that day. And I started working. And it took me about... Uh, about four or five years, I watched a lot of Bob Vila because I knew nothing about construction. And uh, I eventually got my contractor's license and then started working. And that's where the American part of the American Cholo name comes from. I'm living the American dream. Man. This is a beautiful country and I love this country. And was it much more difficult to, to build that life than going back to, to do the gang work in terms of the no, work? Yes, yes, yes. People see, and uh, in, in my community, when I talk about this, people got, get offended when I say, being, a, being that kind of gangster is easy. Try going on 9 to 5 every day. Try waking up at 5 a.m. Every, every day. When you're in that gang life, and let's say you and I are both gang members, you tell me something I don't like, I can beat you up, you can beat me up, I can get a gun and shoot you. When we're in a, when we're in a, in a business sense, I can't do that. I can't sit there and say, hey, this guy always missed some money, I'm not going to beat him up. No, you better make sure your contract's straight. You better make sure you hire the proper attorneys. Make sure you look at your paperwork. The pen is much mightier than the sword. You know, judges will... Take your house away, take your car away, take your life away. Give you death penalty, all through a pen. And that's what we need to realize. It is much harder to be a regular guy working than it is a gang member or living that street hustle life, absolutely. Now, is it hard to give, get jobs after you come out of prison? Is it difficult to build a life back? I think in construction, you can get in there. The problem is that social skills. A lot of guys that come out of prison don't have that type of skill to go into a room like with you guys and just start talking they're, they're they're kind of in a shell where i mean you're living in a world where it's you can be killed for saying the wrong thing talking to the wrong person wow. i mean you're living in a, in, a, in a violent world where that's how you get your point across over there it's not oh we're gonna write you up over there is we're gonna stab you we're gonna kill you so you're coming from that world coming into the regular world and now you have somebody coming at you with authority telling you something and in your world, if you don't like it, you push back. But in this world, no, you gotta, you know, you, you gotta use your mind. And, and that's one thing that they have to overcome. I say it's like uh, depressurizing. Like when they go on the ocean, they go way down there, the guys come up, you gotta put them into a tank and they gotta depressurize. It's the same thing when guys come out of prison. They gotta come out here and they gotta depressurize from that life. And it, some takes longer than others, but uh, it, it's definitely possible. I've seen it for myself, and I've seen guys who would definitely be back in prison. Now, like I said, raising their family and kids, it's a beautiful thing. So these government programs, you're mentioning the money is going to some nonprofits. That, that we know they're going to nonprofits, right. but we don't know where it's hitting. Right. At what stage is it late? Or is it, what, what age should they hit people? Well, I think that but if, if you're a gang member, and you're in your teens, it's very difficult to get at those guys. It's extremely difficult because they're, very, they're like the kid that's gonna tell you, Dad, you don't know nothing. You know, you know everything already. I think that where you get them at is in the early 20s, when, especially when they're coming out of jail. When they're coming out of jail, a lot of guys do come with the mentality that they wanna change. But then they start coming out here, getting influenced by everybody else. The drugs is probably one of the biggest things that's destroying us. Um, and uh, I think the way you change is employment. You employ these people, give them something to look forward to, put some money in their pocket, and give them a, give them a purpose in life, because that's all we're looking for. We're looking for a purpose in life, and when we don't find it, we find it in the hood. We find it on the block. But I think that if we can get more programs towards getting those guys employed, which there's a lot, which is a great thing, but we gotta catch those kids before they join the gang. We have to, every single park in LA should have 
some type of football program, some type of baseball program, some type of boxing, some type of mentorship. We're wasting all our money on quote-unquote homelessness, which the reality is it's drug addiction. There are drug addicts out there right now. And to me, the drug addicts is like a fruit, is a tree that the fruit is all rotten. And we got these baby trees over here, and we're neglecting all the baby trees because we're so worried about trying to fix the problem of people who are on drugs. People who are on drugs, when they realize they want to change, they're going to change. You can't throw money at that. We need to sit there and allocate our money back into the children because they will be our future. And what do we want? Do we want future drug addicts or do we want future you know, businessmen? So you're saying these kids, if you provide them with some programs and some, I guess, some love, <laughs> you're able to capture them before Absolutely. they... Absolutely. All kids want attention. All kids want attention. I don't care who you are, what color you are, how much money you got. All kids want attention. Now, are they going to get good attention or bad attention? That's, what, that's where the change comes from. Now, what's happening in L.A. and your community, you know, there's these new laws and there's an impact to your community. What does it look like now? Uh, my community looks like um, it's beginning to look more and more like downtown L.A., the Skid Row area. Uh, you've got, or just the downtown L.A. area. You have, like, a lot of these new buildings up in downtown LA, beautiful million dollar apartments, lofts, and then you go a few blocks a few blocks down and it looks like Skid Row. That's the same thing North Hollywood is becoming. You got the NoHo Art District, which is beautiful area, expensive, expensive living, maybe like, you know, twenty five hundred bucks for a one bedroom or for a loft. And then you go up a few blocks, you got a bunch of tiny homes inside parks where kids used to play. Um, you've got uh, drug addiction everywhere, meth everywhere. It's it's become a place where somebody can literally be shooting dope cop would look at them keep on going they don't even stop and that's destroying the society it's destroying the whole community because now you have children when i was young we were looking at the gang members and saying oh that's what i want to be well now you can have these kids out there saying oh look my uncle's out there he's 20 some years old that's what i want to be why because there's no shame when like i grew shooting up shooting drugs or living in the street yeah everything everything they're shooting drugs living in the streets you got young people they set up tents and it's, when i was young that was something that was so frowned upon even in the gang world it was so frowned upon like look at that fool he's all dirty over there on the guy he's like nobody's touching him now it's becoming where that's the norm the norm is you're on dope you get a tent you post up and nobody says anything and what they should do they should enforce the loitering laws they should put these people in a certain place where they can actually get the help. Because right now, they're not doing anything. There's absolutely, there is nothing they're doing that is making somebody want to get clean. If, if you're a drug addict and I tell you, hey, come on, I'm gonna give you a hotel for three months. All right, but is there any accountability? Nope, we're not gonna drug test you. We're not gonna make sure you're gonna go to the program. We're not gonna make sure you go, what are you doing? It's like if you caught your kid doing heroin and instead of saying, hey, Johnny, you need to get some help or you need to get the hell out of the house, you say, hey, Johnny, guess what? I'm gonna give you 500 bucks a month. You go ahead and stay here, I'm going to wash your clothes, I'm going to take care, and every time your room gets dirty, I'm going to clean it for you. What's Johnny going to do? Johnny's going to get smacked back more of you every day. And that's what's going on in California. That's what's going on in North Hollywood. And how does that make you feel as, as a resident of this? It's horrible. Community? It's horrible. I'm, I'm seeing my community decay in front of my eyes. And the politicians that are doing it, I believe that they care but I believe that they're just so blind in what it is. And just by calling it what it is, it's the unhoused. Not unhoused. We've always had homeless people. We've always had that. That's just part of society. 
it's drug addiction. And they'll say, no, Gil, it's mental health. I said, no, it's not mental health. And somebody smoking meth for the last six months to a year, it's destroyed their brains. The drugs is destroying everybody. And it's not homelessness, it's drug addiction. And the first part of, of recovery is admitting you have a problem. California or the rest of the country hasn't admitted we have a drug problem. We have a drug problem like never before. And it's destroying us in and out. And the difference is, it's not like in the 80s when the CIA was bringing dope to LA and it was just the inner city and just the hood. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's in Beverly Hills. It's in Montana. It's in Mississippi. It's in Florida. Every county, every state is being affected, especially by meth, fentanyl, and just drugs in general. How do we get out of this? I think we admit that we have a problem, first of all. My personal, and I have an idea. My idea is this. We find a place somewhere like in Acton or some part of California that's kind of rural, we set up shop. And when I say we set up shop, we set up encampments that are, these are for guys who are on heroin. These are for guys who are on, uh, on meth. These guys are this. These are for the mental health. And actually have one facility where everybody's going. When you go down the street and you get somebody for loitering, you don't send them to jail. You send them to the rehab camp. That way people will say, I can't be on the block no more because why? They're gonna send me rehab camp. But that way if we're in rehab camp, we have it all in one place. What we're doing right now in LA is we're chasing a dragon that you're never gonna catch. You go from one block, you clean up the trash, those guys move over there. By the time you come back a week later, that's full of trash. It's full of, it's full of feces, full of everything. So the way we do that is, no, you're going to get rehab. You're gonna force them to get rehab. If you're gonna give people housing, you gotta have accountability. Right now there's zero accountability. You need to drug test people, you need to put them in rehabs, you need to actually get more bang for your buck. It's like this. What California loves doing is throwing money at a problem. Let's say I have two gang members, and these gang members, I'd say, okay, listen, I'm gonna give each one of you $5,000, but the guy that I'm, but one of you guys with that $5,000, I'm gonna educate you on how to do the finance. I'm gonna educate you how to how to write a check. I'm gonna educate you on, on, on work. I'm gonna get you a job. I got the other guys giving, and I'm just giving them 5,000. You do what you want. In a year or two, who's gonna be more up the ladder of society? I would say the guy that I educated. But California, all they're doing is throwing money at them with no education. So you're not gonna get any, any, any return on your investment when it comes to people. We need to sit there and hold people accountable. Now, why are you being vocal about all of this? Because it's something that is near and dear to my heart. It's my community. Uh, one of my, my co-hosts' nephew just died two or three days ago on fentanyl, passed away. I had friends of mine who've been murdered within the last year. I've had friends of mine who uh, have been uh, gone to jail for murder just within the last year. This is something that I see every day. It's not something that's on TV or, or makes a YouTube clip where it glamorizes the life. No, I know that behind all the... The tattoos behind, you know, the stereotypes, just human beings. I'm a guy that if I would have never to tell you I was a gang member, I was a cholo, I was in jail, you would never assume that. You would just say, hey, that's Gil, it's you know, one of my coworkers. But, and, and, and these are problems that don't just affect myself, they affect all of us. This is a community. So to me, it's, uh, I, I'm putting my money where my mouth is and I'm using my experience to try to help out because I care for my community because I got grandkids, I got kids, and if, we don't do it, who's gonna do it? I'm like that elder in your community, but let's talk back primal days, right? Let's talk back when we were with spears and huts and living in caves. It took many men or women to die of eating the wrong fruit, to die of going the wrong route. And I've been down those routes and I'm trying to tell youngsters, hey youngsters, put that away, don't eat that fruit. Don't take that path, it's a cliff. 
I'm trying to show them the cheat, the cheat codes to this video game because it's a game. Life is a game. And if we can sit there and give these codes to people to advance, you know, education, they will advance, you know, in life, which will make everybody, you know, have a better life altogether. And that's what we're trying to do. What about the politicians that are making these policies in California? What do you recommend to them? What do you think? Well, I think the politicians aren't going to change because the politicians continue to get voted in. Uh, when it comes to, to us, the Latino community, in California, we're roughly 39% of the, of the population, which means we're the, we're the majority, right? Not by much, but we are. Let's, let's put it in a restaurant sense. We're the ones that have the biggest table. We get the worst service. We don't complain about our service, but we continue to come back to this restaurant. Do you think the restaurant is going to change the way they treat us? Absolutely not. Latinos, we continue to vote the same way. We continue to vote blue. I'm not saying vote red, but I'm, I'm also not saying vote blue. Vote policy, people. The same politicians that say they love the Latino community, they love the black community, are the same ones that are giving these big uh, developers the rights to build these apartments, which are beautiful, but they're kicking everybody out of their neighborhood. They're not using gangs anymore to kick out of your neighborhood. They're using apartments. They're, they're, they're pricing you out of your own place. They say they love you, but hey, go somewhere else. That's what's going on. Do you have any other thoughts, Gil? Uh, no, I just hope that, uh, you know, that people can, uh, can see that there is change, that there is a lot of us like yourself, you guys over here, you guys are making a huge difference. Uh, California Insider, I'm, 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 I'm humbled to be here. I'm glad to be here. And We're I, excited to have you. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And, and to me, it's just I'm, I'm glad to be part of the change in a positive way. Gil Tejada, host of the American Cholo Show. It was great to have you on California Insider. Thank you. My pleasure, man. God bless you guys. If you like the show and our content, you should go to insiderca.com and sign up to our newsletter because we never know what can happen with social media and other platforms in terms of distributing our content. If you'd like to come on the show and be an insider, you can reach out to us at cainsider at epochtimesca.com. Again, it's cainsider at epochtimesca.com. We would love to have you on the show to tell us what's going on in your field in California. Thank you for watching. Please click the icon on the left to subscribe to our channel. We bring you the most pressing issues California is facing with straightforward and in-depth interviews. See you in the next video.